This is the Rams Review Podcast. Discussions, insights, interviews and analysis. All passion, all Derby County. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Rams Review Podcast and it's part two of the season review. We had part one released last week where Jack, who's joining us this evening as well. Jack, how are we doing? Hello, I'm good, thanks mate. Good. You joy- You was with Corey and obviously former athletic um, reporter Ryan Conway and you basically dived into Derby's pre-season, Derby's transfer business, Derby's this, Derby's that, Derby's everything. There's still obviously going to be plenty of Derby chat as it's a Derby County podcast, but what we have to do and what we always do on a season preview as well is get somebody in who knows what they're talking about in terms of the rest of the division. <laughs> and obviously there's only one man really that, that knows that and that's Gab. Gab Sutton. How we doing, mate? I'm glad the mask is still on, Jason. Uh, it's it's great to see you. Thank you for having me. No, you're fine. I mean, and that is pretty much the second part of our preview. We have to, as we've just, as I just said off the air there jokingly, Derby fans now, we've had... 12 months of League One football for the first time in, you know, nearly 30 years. We kind of know what the division's all about. It's it's everything everybody warned us it was going to be. It's not always pretty at times. It can be a bit physical. It was a bit too physical for Derby at times. Um, ultimately, in a, in a squad that was obviously not quite as strong as it should be, managerial change, not even halfway through the season, and ultimately Derby fell short. Um mm. Just to touch on it, I don't want to you know keep into the past too much, but just to get your opinion because I don't think we've had we've really had sure. you on since. Um, ultimately, whilst Derby fans obviously would have been dis- disappointed that they weren't in the playoffs, I think you have to argue that in the end the three best sides went up, didn't they? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, I think you've um, you've got to credit Sheffield Wednesday, uh, Ipswich Town, and Plymouth Argyle, especially. Um, I think really uh, going to to Derby County, Jason. Um, it feels to me, from an outside perspective, that lots of people will probably assume Derby County can afford David McGoldrick and Conor Hurahan and you know even players like Max Bird, and you'd think you know that James Collins, even um, players who have played in the Championship for a, for a lot of seasons, and you'd think they should be too good for League and they should have got automatic promotion. But I think I'd probably come at it from a slightly different perspective and maybe close to, to your perspective, which is, you know, the, the takeover happened last season, the same month as the opening day. So while you were able to afford those big wages and bring the quality in, it was a little bit imbalanced. It was a little bit haphazard. And I think a lot of the imbalances um, you weren't able to, um, to to sort of correct in January. And I think Paul Warner alluded to that in his, his interview after the window. Um, I think you've had a bit more of a running jump into this summer um, and that should um, translate into better results. And it feels like listening to one or two other um, Derby, uh, Derby podcasts that uh, the minimum expectation this season is a top six finish. And you probably, you know, the hope is is a top two push as opposed to last season where the hope was maybe getting into the playoffs and top two felt like a bit more of an outside chat than perhaps it does this season. Yeah, I, I think obviously alluding to that from, from last season, obviously a managerial change after what, nine league games or whatever it was. 
I mean, mm. don't get me wrong, it was pretty much Derby signed whoever they could get their hands on in the summer because it, it's the way that they had to, that Liam had to do it. And then a manager comes in with his own team, a philosophy, you know, somebody who's got experience. No, I'm not saying that Liam doesn't, but obviously Paul Warren's got more experience. And ultimately, he's he's been handed a squad that was under strength, really, anyway. It, I mean, Derby did well to get as many as they did, and I think to get the quality in that they did in, in the majority of the positions. But then it, that is a massive transition. A new manager comes in after, like I say, I'm sure it was like nine, nine, ten games or whatever it may well be. And then, obviously, we probably didn't really know at the time, but Paul Warren's philosophies and the way that he plays football is, is absolutely, completely different. Um, mm. One thing that I've certainly seen in pre-season so far, and obviously through the transfer market this summer, is that he's, we got rid of seven, mainly all from the back line. He's brought seven in, mainly all for the back line. And and obviously to, to aid him playing this three five two with with wing backs. Unfortunately, there's a couple that we've brought in who we haven't managed to see yet in preseason because they've been injured, which is a bit of a is a bit of a disappointment. And obviously they're not going to be ready for Saturday. But it is it is a massive change. It's a massive transition. And I suppose that's it's one of the points. Um, we're obviously going to touch on who else should be the front runners. But obviously you take those three out of it from last season, who were comfortably I think mm. the you know the better three in this. And I, I, all certainly, what I've seen, all the bookies have got Derby as the front runners. Um, don't know if they've got a bit more inside knowledge than I have. I mean, I watched them week in, week out last year, and you know, yes, they've brought some players in. I'm still, I'm still not convinced that that Derby will walk it. But looking at the others, Barnsley, Bolton. So, do you mind if I interrupt you there for a mm. moment? You, if 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 I um to ask you now do you think you, you say Derby won't walk it which I think is a very reasonable take if if I had to ask you now do you think Derby will make top two what would what would you go with what would you go with at the minute no interesting okay yeah no I don't I don't think so uh, not at I the minute I wasn't expecting you to say that you know I yeah. was coming in expecting you to be a lot more confident no I mean I, I... There's plenty of the window left to go. Things things can change, um, mm. but at this minute, I'm still not 100% confident we've quite got the firepower. Um, Why do you reckon that is? Uh, I mean, at the minute, obviously, what we've got James Collins, who mm. he was he was very hit and miss last year. There's no doubt about it. Mm. But at the end of the day, we played with practically one up top and nobody was shifting David McGoldrick. So it's, you know, you lose his goals and everybody said, Oh, well, you know, we've brought in Connor Washington. He's not going to score 25. I don't expect Connor Washington to score 25 goals. Mm. The, the, I think the thing is that obviously the difference between last year and, and to this and the players that Paul Warren, for me personally, what Paul Warren's brought in is those 25 goals. Yes. You want another striker to come in, in Connor Washington and they're hoping to bring in another one. Obviously, Martin Waggon's back on sort of training with Derby. Not quite sure he's quite the right answer, but, you know, whatever. We, we've got to get what we can get hold of. At the I end of the day... Target, I, sorry, I reckon a target man type is kind of what it's missing at the moment. I would go for someone like Michael Smith, who Paul Warren worked with at Rotherham. Yeah, that, yeah. And I think really, realistically, don't get me wrong, everybody wants somebody to come in and score 30 goals and fire him to promotion. <laughs> Chances yeah. are it's not going to happen. So, I mean, I'd I'd be quite happy with somebody coming in, scoring, what, seven or eight, ten maybe, in, in you know, in sort of like 30-whatever appearances. James Collins, again, 
it's double figures. He's going to, you would think, injury aside, he's going he's gonna to play a bit more of a part. And then before you know it, all you've got really there then is, you know, he's around sort of, I know it's not just goals with David McGoldrick. He did a lot of other things and assists and everything else. Yeah. But actually you take out all, I say all, you take out the majority of, well, you take out the penalties that he scored. His figures on, he, he, he did score a lot of penalties. So you take them away. You then all of a sudden you're no, only... but McGoldrick, McGoldrick though, uh, I think far more in terms of creativity mm. and link oh, up yeah. play, and yeah. you know, yeah. I, I don't really think it's the goal scoring. If he'd only scored ten goals, mm. I think you'd have still said he, he had a fantastic season. No, I'd yeah. agree, and obviously we we lost Jason Knight as well, so it's another bit of a creative mm. sort of thing. But if if we are literally looking at it as twenty five goals, you want one striker to come in and hopefully score ten. James Collins gets a couple more than he did last year to try and get to 15. And then actually the biggest thing that Paul Warren said ever since he's come in is Derby don't do enough from set pieces. If you can add five, 10 goals a season through set pieces, all of a sudden you've swallowed that 25 up and you don't need, you do need a player like David McGoldrick in your side. You you definitely do. And I think it's a key thing that Derby haven't got at the minute. Um, But just from a personal goal, you know, goal scoring perspective, um, then may, maybe not. Um, but, I mean, Jack, obviously, get your opinion on this as well in a, in a second. But, I mean, for me, I think Bar- Barnsley, it's a toss of a coin with Barnsley, obviously, change changing charge again. So you, you just never really know which way that one's going to go. I thought Bolton progressed. Whilst both times I saw Bolton, and I wasn't necessarily bowled over by them in the playoffs either, they clearly had a good season. They, they, they finished where they did. Um, and then you've got your likely subjects. You've you, Peter, uh, Peterborough, Portsmouth have had a strong window. Uh, you know, from what I've read, obviously, I know you're going to tell me a lot, a lot more about that in a bit. But you know, it's it's teams like that, the Shrewsbury, probably Oxford again. You know, these little teams like this maybe maybe are knocking on the door. So I think it'd be whilst it'd be an absolute travesty if Derby don't make the top six, top two. I still think they're missing one or two. And I'm not saying that we won't be able to bring them in. Um, we, we might. But for me, personally, that's my opinion. Jack, what's yours? I'd agree. At this moment in time, they're not quite there, is, is my feeling. Um, you know, all what, purely based on numbers as well, even if you took the quality out of it, they've not, at the moment, there's, there'd be an issue with the numbers in the squad. Paul Warren likes a small squad. And even he's saying there's not enough. So at the moment, even if all these players that we've got, all these signings that have come in, turn out to be world beaters, there is not going to be enough to get through a 46-game season. Is is part of the concern. You get those couple do, of do players you, think, you want Sorry, to. Jack, Jack, do you think it's more than one or two then, Jack, that's needed? Potentially, yeah. Um, he wants another nine or ten. There's a little bit of talk of a wing back. Mm. You know, he might want to throw a couple of a couple of young loans into the mix. There was something from the supporters uh, meeting with the, the board a couple of weeks ago where they talked about wanting more senior players to be able to come in and help the under-21s who had a really bad year last year. Now, whether that's using first-team players and then dropping in to play the occasional game, I don't know. If, if that is the case, and there's not going to be enough players, even if he gets a couple more, because it's... You know, they've got about 20 players. If that was, if what they were alluding to there was deals like the Bradley Johnson deal, and they want a couple more of those who are going to coach and play solely with the under-21s, 
that could work. Just on the on the goals, there's a there's a comment under the on Twitter on the tweet about the first part one of this uh, season preview that we did the other day. And uh, it's a guy called Tom Newton said goals must also come from defensive midfield as well as strikers to make it up. Uh, you know, take the tally book last season, as we're saying. Um, and as, as you say, Jason, set pieces, they're looking more of a threat. That will make a difference. It will need another striker, potentially, because they've only got two. And, you know, we all said two wasn't enough second half of last season once the Sula went back. Mm. Um whether that's Martin Wanghorn or someone else, I think that depends on the terms of the deal and who else is out there. We mm. can't judge the market in quite the same way. But, you know, ideally, you'd want someone better. But if he's if he's the best out there, then, you know what? Take a chance on him, back him. But, um, you know, we'll we'll see. I mean, what he would do, and I, I said this the other day, is he'd, he'd slot into the, the group nicely. He knows, he knows them all and would... Paul Warren seems to... You know, already getting on with him and think he'd be a good fit in the group, which is, as we as we know, a big part of the signing uh, criteria thing, if you like. But yeah. but yeah, it's it's going to be like a whole team coming together, mocking in, and just everybody's output increasing a bit. Um, you know, a couple of signings, you get a nine, you get a quality attacking midfielder as well. You know, maybe a winger or something. You know, some someone play in those attacking positions other than striker. And then I still I still wonder, maybe a wing back? Or, or another centre back because at least because Craig Forsyth, you know, he's gonna be in one of those positions as a sort of backup you imagine. But if he if we're counting him as a centre back, then the only left back option is Callum Elder. The only kind of left mm-hmm. wing back. Because Liam Thompson's been playing there in pre-season one had said last week that was a kind of needs-must situation. So there you go. Okay, he's done all right. But do you want to be doing that all season? Not if you yeah. can get one natural, you know. If they don't have the money for that, which would surprise me, based on what we've been hearing about budgets and what David Klaus said on Radio Derby last, at the start of the month about having a, a good budget for League One, a budget he thinks is good enough to get out of the league, mm-hmm. that would yeah, that, that would surprise me. I think a, a win that... Would be yeah on that left hand side in particular, or somebody play both sides. You know, a bit of versatility. Yeah, a couple more players come in. If they're the right, so the right additions, I think that you know they can push. If they're good, good players, fitted that slot in well, hit the ground running, they can push as it stands. Playoffs, and that's I think where they are. I mean, if don't mind me jumping in there, Jason. I'd love to um, explore with both of you the uh, the striker positions because uh, one of the reasons why I kind of asked you, Jack, you know, whether Derby need one or two more is because I actually feel like you could do with another couple of strikers. There seems to be this feeling mm-hmm. among Derby fans that Tom Barkhausen or Nathaniel Mendes Lang could cut it down the middle. I'm not necessarily sure I'm I'm convinced by that if you're holding Derby to top two standards. So yeah. I would say if we're coming at this idealistically, I would say another target man, Matt Smith, um, Michael Smith would be the dream for me. 
Um, uh-huh. And then I think another option with searing pace. So then you've got that mix of qualities. You've got James Collins, who I still think has got decent link-up play. And I think if he's not relied on too heavily, he can score a few goals. You've got Connor Washington, who's going to run all day and hopefully get 10 goals. Um, you've got your raw pace option, who can stretch defences. And you've got your target man type, which I don't think James Collins is. That, for me, would be a good crop of strikers and it would take some of the pressure off Collins, which I feel like that was an issue last season. Um, because I think that in a 3-5-2, I would maybe lean towards actually having, um, I don't know what either of you think about this, maybe having Barkas and Mendes Lang as a wing-back option for a really attacking situation where you need to take the game to the opposition rather than down the middle. What do you reckon? What happened last season with that was against certain teams, you know, that was good having that attacking threat. In other moments, Mendes Lang looked a little bit shackled, didn't he, by that defensive responsibility. And that's what's going to be really interesting because he, if he was shackled by that defensive responsibility, I, I also agree with you that I don't think he's a, you know, he's an out and out striker. Mm. Where he did seem to play well towards the end of the season was when they played with two behind the striker and the wing backs. And that's a three, four, two, one and having that role higher up with a wing back you know, doing the, the hard work. That's, you know, Jason Knight was shoved out there because he just runs all day. Mm. So so that sort of role is probably where where he'd thrive. I agree, it's probably a couple of strikers. So in, in part one, for those who listen to that, uh, you know, we were assessing kind of the links with Waghorn and Jordan Rhodes kind of were the two that were discussed. And Ryan took us through kind of the pros and cons which way he was leading. But we were also talking about the experience there. Do you want the experienced player or do you take a chance on a youngster who will post you games at times but can come up with big moments? In an ideal world, I think, as you say, two strikers, you get an experienced striker on, on the right terms, you know, willing to come into the team, play a bit, but also not, you know, not angry if they sit on the bench. And you get a youngster who's hungry for minutes stretch that defence, provide a different option. You know, in a, in a, if we are looking at this idealistically, as you say, get one of each. Go pace a youngster and get an experienced head. Win-win. That's, but as I say, it might not be that simple. I, to be honest, I, I would have to agree. I think at times when we saw Mendes Lang, Mendes Lang was a little bit better. Tom Barkhausen looked lost at, at left wing yeah. back. He, he really did. I think the the biggest probably difference between this season and last season, if they were to have another go, and by the way, I don't see, unfortunately, I don't see where Tom Barkhausen fits in at Derby otherwise, in, mm. if I'm completely honest, mm-hmm. um, is that when we sort of played a back three for a little while last season, it was Chester, Davis, Forsyth. Well, th- there's absolutely Breaking, no pace whatsoever. Now, yeah. don't get me wrong with what we've what we've brought in this time. Obviously, you've got Cashin involved as well. It was not the quickest lick in the world, but you've got him. You've got somebody who knows how not knows how to defend, but it, it, just the defensive positioning of Sonny Bradley. I mean, I, I, obviously, when we had Jagielka in the championship, he couldn't run, but 
he didn't Jackie need Elker to. Jackie Elker and Davis as well. Yeah, I know. I <laughs> yeah, know. With our walking sticks. I know. But Jackie Elker <laughs> didn't need to run. It was very, very rare he got caught out for pace because he reads the game. It's it's what he can do. So yeah, he, but you can't play you can't play out with those with no. with that though, Jason, because they they're so sort of uncomfortable. You know. It's, yeah, I mean, I remember watching you come to Birmingham, and um, I think we we sort of exposed that a few times when you just kept giving the ball away in your own yeah. defensive third. So yeah. But I just if we were going to go down Barkhouse and Mendes Langer's wing backs, there's a bit more protection for them. This this they still are going to obviously have to get back, but I think with that three and you're probably going to have one of the three in midfield sitting as well. Um, you know there is a little bit more, a little bit more protection for them. But yeah, without well, uh, that, just on that, just on that, Jason, are we confident uh, Max Bird's going to stay? Yeah, I think so. I think he'd have gone by now. If I'm if I'm completely honest, I think he'd have gone by now. Um, and to be honest with you, it would probably be a, a bit of a damaging blow now. Um, yeah. If if he was to go, I think it would it would take a would take a bit of a hit. Um, but again, you see, that's that's a position, especially losing Jason Knight as well. I mean, don't get me wrong, Max Bird's got ounces of of potential in, in and so far in pre-season he's looked quite fit actually he's looked he, he, i think he's been he's going to be given the license a little bit to that, go that's, further that, forward Jason, that seems to be quite a common theme because i heard another derby fan saying mm. james collins looks a lot more fit than he did yep. last year so i reckon uh one's gone full pochettino on the players and just got them in really yeah, tight sprinting yeah, sessions. yeah. I, I think so I, I think so from what i've seen um and then, to be honest, I mean, certainly in that midfield, which for me, Corey Smith obviously couldn't play it, wasn't wasn't able to play midfield for us last season. Filled in at right back, did a sterling job. I've seen three out of the five preseason games live this year, and Corey Smith, I think, has been one of the best players on the pitch in all three. And even really? Paul, even Paul Warren said how good he was on Saturday against Sheffield United. So I thought he did. Yeah, he, I, I thought he did well against Stoke the week before. Um, it just. He, he knitted things together. And again, another one that we've not really... He's almost a bit like a new signing because he's going to actually be playing in his natural position now. And it's more it's more round pegs in, you know, round holes this season with Derby. We'll definitely admit we're probably still, I think, three to four short um, of a, you know, a real challenge. I mean, you look at Ipswich last season, they'd got, they'd got quality all over the pitch and they'd got backup quality all over the pitch and and that's a team that obviously over what two and a half years built spent a bit of money and they're I would assume me personally I assume they're going to go into the championship I don't know if they'll set it alight but I don't see them coming back down so you know it's it's like that so yeah Derby are and I think still you know you've got to look at it we're still I've been a bit surprised this actually this transfer window it was I was very I knew wing backs were coming in. There was no doubt about that. And we knew that new centre halves have to come in because we'd let three or four go. But the age of them has surprised me. All the talk was sort of Derby were going to bring in these players sort of like twenty three to twenty eight. I don't think we've brought in one. Or um, one, maybe Wilson. Uh, um, uh, so there's been Ward who is twenty. Of course. Yes. Um Wilson's like twenty I'm not quite sure how old he yeah, is. Yeah, Wilson must be early to mid twenties. Yeah, I think he's about twenty three, yeah. twenty four, isn't he? So that has literally been it. All the rest are uh, close to thirty again, which is is yeah, not what I expected. 
Elden Nelson and Bradley, who are all, yeah, around... They're 29 to 30, aren't they? Most yeah, of them, and so... that's... He's, he's started to... I mean, he's certainly reduced the average age of the squad, at least, hasn't he? Uh, with the exits of Davis and Chester and Stearman. But... Um... It wouldn't have taken much to reduce no, the average exactly. age. No, exactly. It would be difficult to keep it at that level, wouldn't it? So it's, even that's <laughs> not very impressive. But, um, uh, yeah, I think it's that, yeah, there are a few, there are a few short. I was just looking at that, um, that game actually that you're talking about with Jackie Elter and Davis. And, um, that game was actually the final game before Derby went into administration. Who was at left back for Derby that night? Birmingham's new signing, Levy Fallon. Huh? Yeah, oh, yeah. Been, oh, yeah. I'm, really, I'm really excited about him. What, what we got in store? Cause he was really highly rated a couple of years ago, wasn't he? Um, mm. He divides the fan base, I think. He does. The reactions. Some people were really frustrated with him. I don't know how much of that is because of the way he left, though. It was, you know, he solid it off, and he'll. He got, you know, limited games. Where did like he go? Sorry, where did he go after your lot? Uh, Werder Bremen. Yeah, Werder Bremen. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh right, okay. He scored as they. Uh, he scored against Dortmund, I think. Yes, he did. But um, but yeah, there's a there's a there's a random fact. Um, he, he he was he's a he's a typical wing back he, at, at yeah. this at this level. He's brilliant going forward. He's got bags of pace. He can defend, but he's got an absolute howler in him. Um, yeah. and and that is pretty much you know I'll that is pretty much what you'll that. get. Yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's, Dar- it's becoming Derby reserves there, isn't it? At the moment, <laughs> <in Birmingham. laughs> yeah, Felix as well. Yeah. But it's like Derby's oh, Bielik, the one you were saying best player in the championship before he got injured. Now he's Derby reserves, is he? <laughs> well, he's got he's got legs like spaghetti. That's the problem. If you can keep him fit, he'll be brilliant. But I think obviously I know he's had a couple of injuries there at Birmingham already, and he's just he's unfortunately he's going to be one of those players. I think. But um, yeah, so moving on uh, when all directions that chat did. Um, yeah. As I say, the other thing really to, to get you on for, Gab, was looking at League One again. As I say, Derby sure. got experience of it. We kind of touched on it there, sort of the, the hitters that were in and around that playoff mix last season. Um, from you, your perspective, you know, who, who are you expecting to be the front runners of the division this year? So um, my top two are actually Portsmouth and Bolton. Um, Portsmouth because I'm really excited about their recruitment. I think uh, talking of recruiting young, I think they've um, they've kind of recruited some t- sort of exciting talent, and they've also gone for um, Jack mentioned the peak age bracket. There, they've gone for players in that sort of mould where they're really highly rated as youngsters. For whatever reason, they've not quite hit their full potential through culture, stylistic fit, injuries. And Portsmouth feel like they can come up with ways to identify those problems and sort of um, get them playing to their full potential. So um, I like that idea. Their sporting director is really good. And then Bolton, they've made such smooth progress over the last three years. I think it's difficult to look past them. So they're my top two at the moment. Um, Blackpool under Neil Critchley, I think, are going to be a real threat. Um, Charlton, their midfield looks very strong. Uh, so those are the five teams, including Derby, that I think are going to be the most dangerous. And I actually think the playoff playoff scramble could be quite open this season as well. Yeah, I must admit, yeah, I would agree. I, I, it's one thing that I certainly spotted from League One. Whilst the odd result is kind of, you know, you, you do get the kind of odd result, but 
that division was pretty much split in half last year. You you, you can see the difference in quality between the top half and the bottom half. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would, as I said, fully expect that kind of the same teams to be involved. The three that have come down, if Reading and Wigan don't go out of business before the end of August, they, they might. That you know they should be. In, in and around it, you would you would have thought, as you say. Blackpool. No, I, I don't know. You know, um, actually, Jason, I think I think Blackpool will be a threat, mm. but Wigan have got the points in action. Reading yeah. have um, started pre-season with a wafer-thin squad. They've had off-field issues, so I think there's a lot of uncertainty around both those clubs. Mm. So I think I think the best they could do is probably mid-table. I think Blackpool are the only ones coming down that actually strengthen the league. And certainly compared to the top three last season, two on, you know, 100 points and, you know, third place, 96 points. If you compare that to the teams coming down, so, you know, on paper, that shouldn't be as, as difficult. But the, the issue is that obviously everyone around us who was in this league last season has strengthened as well. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, it, that is going to be really interesting to watch. And I do, I do hope that gets sorted. Reading and Wigan, you know, we we know how much off-the-field issues can impact club and impact the fans. But, but yeah, you do think it's it's going to be difficult for them. They're certainly facing a bit of an uphill struggle from the position they're in right now. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, looking at the other end of it then, Gab, I mean, obviously the three teams that have come up last year when I looked at the three teams that come up, me, I thought Exeter might have been a team that kind of surprised a few. Obviously, in the end, a, a pretty decent mid-table finish, but nobody, obviously, none of the three really pushed it. Do you think there's any of the uh, of the promoted sides can get anywhere near the conversation, or is it is it just the, the stepping quality is, is a big difference? Um, uh, any, I mean, define anywhere near. I, th- I think with Stevenage, they've got a manager in Steve Evans, who's um, everyone's favourite, obviously. Um, and um, but he, I think they've been able to recruit uh, some really proven League One performers. Um, Evans is obviously going to have this team very fit as well. So um, I think that they've got the potential to push into the top half. Um, I'm not sure Northampton and Carlisle have the squad to do that. I think both are going to be mired in the dogfight. And I think Leighton Orient, having lost a couple of their best players, they'd do well to finish mid-table. So if you push me for one team that might have an outside shout of surprising a couple of people, um, I'd say maybe Stevenage, but I still think the best they can probably do is top half. So for the first fans' view, opposition view of the season, we start with Wigan Athletic. And I'm delighted to say, joining me is... Not Wigan fan, Barry. Barry, in- introduce yourself to the to the Derby listeners. Hi, I'm uh, Barry Worthington, been a, a lifelong Latic supporter, non-league to Premier League, and uh, I thought I oh, was going back to the non-league again <laughs> not too long ago. Um, the only seasons I've missed is when I played myself, played a little bit uh, at semi-pro level back in the early, uh, well, the mid-70s, and then was the only seasons when I've not not been down to the uh, down to the Latics. Apart from that. Uh, home games, never miss an home game, get to as many away as I possibly can. Uh, running a podcast for over 10 years, um, Earth and Soul, Wigan Athletic, that's all I can say. Well, hey, and that, that, they're the fans that you want to you want to be talking to. So, as I said, th- this chat is all about Wigan, and before we go on to 
you know, the season, this coming season, it it would be remiss of me to not mention, obviously, the last 18 months to two years and any Derby fans out there listening who who follow all all divisions will know that Wigan have, unfortunately, have, have been through something that Derby fans know all too well. Administration, points deductions, not as many as we got, but, you know, still a, a fair amount. Um as we were just chatting off the off air there, Barry, obviously League One champions a couple of seasons ago, everything, you know, you you, you thought was was rosy, and then, yeah, that that championship season points deduction. I know I've looked at the table obviously before get, doing my research. Even though the points deduction, you know, putting those points back on, you wouldn't have still stayed in in the championship but from a from a derby fans obviously we know what it was like 21 points was it was a massive hit and it just hits the morale doesn't it of, of the team you know it, even a, a three four point deduction it's we we spoke about it for for the best part of two years on our podcast what effects is it having on the players and you know you you hear you hear people coming out in interviews saying oh it's you know we we're just solely focused on things going on on the pitch but when obviously derby was a, a bit of a similar thing to to Wigan, you know, we weren't players didn't know if they were getting paid. I know under Wigan, I don't think they did get paid so on time. Some months, I think, I think it, I'm not, I think it came close with Derby. I don't think it actually happened, uh, but I know it came very close. Um, but all in all, you know, on a season back, that, that winning of the championship season, uh, League One season, it, it just ultimately deflates deflates everybody, doesn't it? What was it like? Derby fans know all about it. A championship season marred with off the field uh, activities and negativities. Barry, from a from a fans' point of view, it's it's not fun turning up week in week out, is it? It, it isn't. No, and like you say, it started really positive. We've just got promoted, uh, champions. We had what I thought was a decent enough squad to. Perhaps just about hold our own, you know, just stopping a, p- a place above the relegation spots would have done me fine. Uh, and we started fantastically. We, you know, we, we, we went down to Norwich and took the lead and we ended up with a one-all draw. They just come down from the Premier League. Uh, we, we didn't recruit in the summer. I think that was the first clue that all wasn't well behind the scenes because we didn't bring any any new players in. We brought a couple of free transfers in Um uh, and that was it. And there, was, there were no names in there either. So as as the season started to to progress, we started off quite well. I think we played. Uh, we beat Blackburn in in, in October, and uh, we we went seventh in the table. And everything looked rosy. I was under Liam Richardson, who uh, had become a bit of a fork hero at the club for for some of the things that he'd done. Um, he'd been with us through administration, then won us the league the season after. Uh, he'd, he'd been involved in the Charlie Wack incident when he had his cardiac arrest and give him CPR. So he was like, you know, the, the local hero. Uh, and we had a we had a bad performance away at Coventry. We only lost two nil. Jockerix uh, destroyed us. I mean, he, he was destroying most teams last season in the championship. Uh, and then on the way back from that game, there's strong rumours that Richardson had got sacked, and it was a bit of a bit of a blow, really. Uh, we wasn't aware of any financial troubles behind the scenes, but indeed Richardson had got sacked, so we started looking for a new a new gaffer, uh, and we made possibly the worst managerial appointment in in the history of football, appointing Colo Toure. That was in November. <laughs> oh God's truth! I mean, he, he'd no idea that guy. But then some rumours started to fly about about non-payment of wages. Now, we'd had one 
previously at the end of the previous season, but they put that down to banking issues with it be it was on a bank bank holiday and, and they're paying money from from abroad and there were banking issues and everybody accepted that. Well, uh, to cut a very long story short, the players uh, had missed players and staff, not just the players, so the people who work at the club as well. They missed uh, getting paid on five separate occasions. Um, and some of them dragged over until the next payday, so they were getting double double pay. At the top and bottom of it was that um, the guy who owned us, a guy called Al Jasme, based in Bahrain, had given the club a, a budget for three seasons, and we spent that budget in the first 18 months, and he'd sort of refused to put any more money into the club. So from from January onwards, we was running uh, with hardly any money in the club at all, I don't believe, having done a bit of research and people close to the club tend to agree with me, that uh, the Bahraini group hadn't put any money in from February this year. So we was running on, we launched the season tickets at the start of March for for, the, for this coming season. Uh, we got some EFL payments and that seemed to be uh, where the wages were coming from when they were eventually getting paid. And they were talking all the time about looking for, for new investment, they were trying to liquidate assets to put in the club. All these sorts of, of BS excuses were flying around. And then it started to get really concerning. I met with the, with the actual chair of the of the club. Uh, his name's Talal Alhamad. He's uh, Al Jasmine's son-in-law. He came over to Wigan from Bahrain, met me and a few other uh, supporters. We sat down for about two and a half hours with him. He just promised us the earth. He's here for the long term. This, by the way, this was in March. This he's here for the long term. He's going to invest heavily over summer. We're going to stop in the championship. Sean Malone is the, the a great manager, which he is, uh, and all these sorts of things. But like, like you were saying there, Jason, about uh, affecting morale. I mean, it, not only were we getting points deductions, but these players weren't getting paid as well. Mm. And they were, you know, the professional footballers. It's the job. But they, they were still to. They played four games uh, without any wages coming in, uh, and they were tough games as well. We had Watford away, Coventry at home, uh, I thought, uh, but not Borough away. Sheffield United away, I think, was was another one. So they were tough games. We played some tough games, some really physical games, and, and they hadn't been paid. So I mean, everyone in the for doing what they did. And then we got through till uh, the end of the season. We got. We knew we were going down. Um, Personally, I think it was unlucky. We got it with a couple of injuries to keep. We brought in Martin Kelly from West Brom. Looked superb. Did his ACL in, his, in the 75th minute of his first game away at Blackburn. Out with three centre-halves out with ACLs last season. So so that affected us. But, uh, I mean, all clubs get injuries. But I, I think morale was, was probably it as well uh, with the non-payments. Last game of the season, we played Rotherham at home. Uh, a couple of players refused to play in that game, uh, but some players did, even though they hadn't got paid and were out of contract for the coming season. So again, massive thanks to them. Likes of uh, 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 Stevie Colker played in that one, and, and he knew we weren't getting a contract with us, but and he hadn't been paid, and he still played. James McLean was another captain of the side, uh, hadn't been paid. So it, it was good for that to see them lads put the shirts on and play for the supporters. Uh, but then the worry started to kick in. We got HMRC um, rumours that they hadn't been paid for a couple of months, and then it was made public, and then they issued a winding up order. Uh, the owners said they were talking to 
some pop guy from Solihull who was 19 and he's tried to buy Markham and he couldn't prove funds for buying Markham and he wanted to buy Wigan Athletic and this is who they were selling to. And we thought, and the the, the EFL was, was saying, like, you're going to have to go into administration, but with no assets, if we went into administration, uh, it just looked, it was so dark and so bleak. And to be quite honest with you, I thought we'd gone. I really did. I was one of those, I'd just lost all hearts. I thought this is it. We, you know, we've been through it once with administration. We got very close to losing the club. Then I couldn't see any way out of this. Lo and behold, uh, there's a guy called Mike Danson, boring Wigan. He's a billionaire. Believe it or not, a billionaire from Wigan. Who'd have thought that? <laughs> uh, but he owns the rugby club. But he, he he has no interest in football. Uh, it turns out he has no interest in rugby league either. Uh, but he own, owns owns the rugby club and the council, our local MP, Lisa and Andy, who did a brilliant job with us, and our chair of the supporters club, Caroline Mullineau, reached out to him, asked him, could he come in and take a look? Uh, what did he think? He's, he's heavily committed to community stuff. So what he, he he's, they sold him the community aspect of the club, what it does, because we've got a great community trust that we can have, it. And he agreed. He agreed to take on the club. Now, uh, uh, he took it on on the. He, he actually signed the papers on the fourteenth of June. We, we were due to be wound up on the sixteenth. <laughs> We'd have gone. That would have been it. So with two days to spare, he, he, he got the club. He, he he didn't pay anything for it. He took on all the liabilities and he paid all the bills. So the first week he was in charge, he had to pay out seven million quid. So he's paid. He had to pay. That's how much he was owing. So you can see how close we were. There was no money coming in. We owed seven million quid, which had to be paid by the end of June. He paid us in the first week. Uh, cleared all the players' debts, and uh, was, along with Sean Maloney, set a budget for the next year. Uh, and then he stepped stepped aside again. Um, we've no idea. We've no chair or board structure at the moment. He's just like he's letting all the different heads of department come together and, and run the club at the moment. So obviously, the, things will be changing in the in the coming. Weeks and months, I think, where he'll put a, a solid structure in, but it, he's actually saved the club. So the thing that the lads and lasses who are supposed to have got to come to terms with now is supporting a club on a much reduced budget. Because one thing he has said, even though he's a billionaire, he isn't going to be pumping money into Wigan Athletic. It has to become self-sustainable mm. as much as possible. Now, Sean, Sean Maloney. I tell you, we were very lucky to have got Maloney in when we did. Um, he's been an absolute gem off the pitch, as much as on it. And he's gone to the... He was integral in getting this guy to buy the club. He's showed him a plan where he can run the club on, on a very small budget of three million quid. So that's his budget, three million quid for a season, including wages. Uh, he showed him how he's going to do it. And uh, he's bought uh, Danson, the guy who owns us now, has bought into this, and and uh, we're making the first steps along the way. We've been we've been it with an eight point deduction for the start of the season, uh, but I, I believe we're going to be appealing four of those points because they was given to us as the sale we're going through. So it seems like, and it was paid within two days of. You know that that debt was cleared within two days. That we've been at those points for by the new owner. It, it, so it was in transition. So I think we've got a, a bit of a case there to appeal for of those points. So we might be on minus four. But then again, it's the EFL. They might double our points for being cheeky. So <laughs> you never know. 
No. So that's really so. So we've gone through an absolute horrendous few, few weeks, and uh, we're, we're out the other side now. And I just feel so contented with it. I'm just can't wait for the season to start. Yeah. No. I, I know all Derby fans listening listening to that. We we can we can pull that apart, and you know, there's there our own feelings and our own processes that we were going through throughout that time last year, year before. Um, and you're right, you know, obviously from what you've just said there, there's still things to put in place at, at higher level. And to be honest with you, Derby's owner, 12 months in, is still putting things into place. It's not it's not a quick fix. Um, and obviously for, for Derby, it was the first time in League One, obviously for well, since early 80s. So, you know, it was it was a big it was a big change. It was a big everything else. Um, a bit like yourselves. Got a manager on board in Paul Warren who he's he's been there and he's he's done it in League One. Uh, he had his hands tied behind his back a little bit last year. Again, something similar. It's a there's not there's not been any figures banded about from Derby, but it's it's a competitive budget is what we've been told. Um, we've made I think it's seven signings now this this year. He's looking for another two or three at least, so that'll be another ten. You know, added and yeah, yeah, even in League One, you know, these players, these players don't come cheap. So, you know, th- there's a competitive budget about. Obviously, luckily for us, all our points deductions and everything have have gone, and we we've been able to readjust to to life of you know the the new Derby County going forward. And last season was a it was a bit of a reality check, I think, for a few playing in League One. Um, obviously, didn't get out the first time of asking. I know all the bookies have got Derby as the favourites this year. I'm I'm still not confident of that. I have to say, I think we'll be up there. But if we can, you know, I, I wouldn't be as bold to say that we're, we're going to walk it. And I've noticed most uh, most bookies seem to seem to have us for that. But um, no, it's going to be another another interesting uh, interesting journey in League One. But obviously, Wigan back to back to Wigan. Wigan know all about League One. Unfortunately, they've they've been that a bit of a yo yo-y sort of club over the last few years, going up and down, up and down. Um, but something you mentioned in in the uh, in the off air there, the last three times that you've been in League One, well, three out of the last four, you've won it. Even with that points deduction barrier, as we said, we was just talking about before we started. You know, I'm going to let you have your opinion because you said you've got one. Obviously, um, I would I would still see Wigan, you know, coming into this division and being one of one of the front runners for me. Certainly out of the three that have come down, um, obviously Reading are in absolute disarray at the moment don't seem to you know know what's going on with them so they they could be they could be a bit of a you just never know what you're going to get with them blackpool you know yeah okay maybe they'll be the top off now i've now i've seen a season in league one you can kind of see what you know strengths and weaknesses clubs clubs have there is a bit of a divide in there so you know i'd still any team coming down from the championship you would expect them to um to you'd expect them to be at that that top end but um wigan for me barry i I th- what what do you think personally, and um, then sort of you know a feeling of the rest of the fans? What's the expectations for Wigan this this season? Uh, not to get relegated, <laughs> number one. I mean that's the man. That's what I keep saying. Malone keeps saying anything by relegation will be a success. We've lost thirteen players, and when I say thirty, I mean thirteen first teamers. Graham Shin is gone. One of your old old lads, Graham Shinner, didn't really play much for us. I thought he was a bit of an headless chicken. A lot of fans worship the ground he, he walked on, and uh, the more he didn't play, the better he got. 
if you know what I mean. He was one of them. Uh, but he didn't play a great deal. Uh, but we've lost we've lost goals in Will Keane. He scored 29 goals the last time he was in this, this league. Uh, Max Power, Tom Naylor, our midfield duo when we won the title, they were immense, absolutely immense. So we've, we've and, and recently, well, recently, two days ago, Jack Watmore uh, walked out of the club having terminated his contract because he'd been paid late uh, back at the back end of the last season. So he's gone on a free. Um, personally, if that's how he's behaved, I'm glad he's gone. But he is a Rolls-Royce player, I'll be honest with you. He was absolutely top class. So somebody's going to get a bargain with him there. And we've brought in we've brought in uh, eight signings. So we, uh, they're all young lads, though. This is the thing. We're, we're Maloney's vision for the coming season of for working within this budget is, is to promote from the academy. We've got a brilliant academy. Brilliant, absolutely. And uh, bring in young lads, hungry young lads from... from uh, uh, either on loan or he's been released by clubs. We've got a centre-back from Bayern Munich, an Arsenal midfield player, a lad from Celtic. So we're bringing in uh, players from big clubs. Uh, we signed Kel Watts again, who was with us in the season we got promoted. Uh, centre-back, very good, left-footed as well. But we've retained some players, and we've still got Charlie White still on, on the books. Now, he can score goals at this level, and he's been playing well in pre-season. He's, he's, he looks like he's back. He's, he looks like he's finally got over the incident and, and the psychology of it as well. He's getting stuck in again because he's, he's got a, a defib fitted. And, and it, right. you know, for it to go off, if, if his heart goes into arrhythmia, bang, it, it'll go off during a game. It's gone off a couple of times, you know. And I think it's all been psychological with him. I, I read an interview where he says he's... Pre- when he's going for challenges, his, his first thought is to protect it, you know, because it's under his rib cage where, where it's stuck. But he seems to have got past that now, so he's been playing quite well. We've got a young lad, <clears throat> Charlie Hughes, he's come through the academy. Uh, they reckon he's going to play for England. I, I think he'll he'll definitely be a Premier League player. He's, he's been captain as uh, he captain the, the Sargent. He's only nineteen. He only he made his debut on Boxing Day up at Middlesbrough. I actually know his family. They're from Wigan. Uh, you'll see him on Saturday, number six. Look out for him. Wow, that's all I'll say about him. Wow, what a player he is. Uh, we, we've got uh, this Matt Smith. We signed him on uh, from Arsenal on a three-year three-year deal, free transfer. Um, I'd never heard of him. He's been on loan at Doncaster and Cheltenham, but spent a, a season last season back with Arsenal. What a player! I mean, he's like uh, a, a, a bit like. If you think of Adam Forshaw, how he used to play, you know, or uh, even Bannon, you know, that little midfielder who's picking the ball up off the defence, doing the quarterback stuff. Sometimes a forty-yard pass, sometimes a two-yard pass, but they are they're all splitting the opponents wide up. Is that wide open? Is that type of player is really really good. Um, and with a, a couple of other players coming through, we've just signed uh, Tello Asgard. I've got to mention Tello Asgard. I was Scottish Norwegian. His mum and dad play for the Liverpool Phil- Philharmonic Orchestra. That's why he's uh, he was born in Liverpool. He's a Norwegian under twenty one international uh, with a thick Scottish accent, and he's got a wizard of a left foot, a wizard of a right foot, super player. And he's he's been he's I think he's twenty one now, but he's been coming into the first he's been in the first team for the past three or four seasons. Uh, he he was very good last season. I think he'll be immense this season in League One. Um, what what are we going to do? I'm, I'm, I'm waxing lyrically here, but 
Uh, I mean, the thing is, uh, a League One season can be quite daunting. You, you've got it's, it's very physical. You pick injuries up, you pick bookings up. It's the, it's, it's the strength in depth. We're starting on minus eight as it stands. Uh, I tell you what, if if come the festive period when we get through that and we get into January, if we're in the top ten, if we're in the top ten, I can see us pushing for a playoff pe- place. Now that's all I'll say. Pushing for a playoff place. But we'd have to be in that position then. Uh, and we've got a tough, tough start. You know, we've got yourselves we've, away. We've got Barnsley away. And we've got Bolton away. Um, and that's like going to Beirut, going to, going to Bolton, <laughs> isn't it? You know? uh, and then we've, and we've got two promoted sides as well. We've got Northampton and Carlisle United. So two teams coming on about. So for me, that first month is quite, quite hard. And if, if we can come out of that, uh, you know, perhaps six or seven points, almost clearing that minus eight, I'll be very, very happy. Uh, but we're more than likely going to get to the end of September before we're looking like we've got any chance of getting out of the bottom three, you know. so And it's all psychological as well, mm-hmm. isn't it? You know, the longer you're in there, the difficult that wall becomes to knock down. So I'm not holding any, any you know, uh, opinion that we're going to absolutely smash it. We've got a... a, a, a Almost a brand new side uh, with young lads. There's not a great deal of experience here. We've got James McLean, we've got uh, McGuinness, but McGuinness is injured. Uh, Charlie White's been around a bit. Callum Wang's had three good seasons with us now. He's you know he's twenty twenty four now, Langer, and he's coming into his own. But apart from own oh, oh, Callum McManaman, we've re-signed Callum McManaman, but I don't expect Callum to play the full season. Uh, I think he'll be in and out. But apart from that, we've not got a lot of experience in in that side. Uh, and I think sometimes uh, young teams, can, like Alan Anson famously, famously said it, isn't it, you'll win nothing with kids. Mm. But there is a thing, though. I think if you're flying, it's all right. But when, when it gets gets down and dirty, sometimes the kids are a little bit... It, it, it affects them a little bit more. But in Charlie Hughes... Uh, we we have a, a guy who um, is going to go places and is going to be a leader on the pitch. I think he's the vice captain to James McLean this season. Uh, so I don't know. Oh, oh, McLean's thirty four now. I don't know if we get a full season out of him either. So I think I'll be happy this season with a mid table finish and the emergence of Charlie Hughes ready to uh, unleash on next season and have a promotion push. That's so hard, Luke. At it. But you never know. <laughs> no, no, that that's that's very true. You, you don't. Um, but yeah, to, to pick up on a point there. Obviously, the youngsters we had a fair few come through our um, academy. Obviously, we had we had to push them in into that championship season. Most of them, to be fair, did well and stuck around and, and played last season. Some thrived. Others just just didn't just couldn't cut the mustard at, at this at that level. Um, you know, the like you say, the physicality of it. Going to places like Morecambe or, or Cheltenham on a on a wet Wednesday night and, and you know things like that. Yeah, some of them just aren't just aren't up for it. Um, but it, it sounds like from what from what you were saying there, um, Barry, that you know the, the, there's there's some quality in there in that side at Wigan. Mm. Um, I want to push it on for the final couple of minutes. Um, obviously, and focus on the game on Saturday. Has been a while, obviously, since Derby and Derby and Wigan have, have faced each other. Um, for Derby fans looking for this Wigan side turning up to Pride Park for the curtain raiser on Saturday, what can 
I know you've just mentioned a few names there, but obviously the the style of of Wigan, what what type of style can can Derby expect Wigan to play on Saturday? And um, you know where where the where's the strengths in this Wigan side, and and where can Derby hit Wigan? Yeah, um, well, the style is totally different. Under Richardson, it was uh, we we ground out results with a very strong performance, physicality, big lads. Bologna is totally different, playing his style. If you think Roberto Martinez was our manager for quite a few years, uh, that's exactly how we're playing. We play with two centre-halves as defenders. <laughs> that's it. We've, we're, uh, all the pre-season, we've only had two defenders on the pitch. Uh, very heavy in midfield. Um, so, yeah, they call them false full-backs now, don't they, where they're tucking in. We, we, you know, we, we, that's what we're doing. Uh, possession-based, short passes, everything on the deck. Uh, we've got Stevie Humphreys. I forgot to mention Stevie Humphreys. Uh, he, he's very strong player, good player. Uh, I, I think he'll be a threat. He's direct, get on the ball and run at you. Tell him as guards, like you, you'll see him. He's what he can do with the ball. He's his technical technical aspects of him is probably top end championship. Uh, he just needs to develop himself a little bit more as a player, but he's definitely got those sort of technical abilities. Um, so we, he can definitely hurt you. Um, Charlie White up front, he's been there. I mean, he's 30, 31 now, Charlie, so he, he knows what it's about. Score goals wherever he's been, so, you know. Um, I, th- I think we'll, we'll, we'll play it on the floor. We'll uh, keep possession. And then we'll it we'll it we seem to keep possession and then bust, keep possession and bust. That's how we played it. I went to the Everton preseason friendly last week, and that's what we were doing. There was possession and then just busting with like breaking quickly with three, four, five players, very quick break, get the ball in the box along the floor, not looking to to ping it in high. Um, and, and and that's it. So where, where would you at us? Well, we have got two centre backs and and they're both nineteen. So you'd say they were a little bit inexperienced. They're good in the air and they're good on the deck. They're very comfortable. What we will do, we'll play the ball out. We've got a young keeper as well. I think Ben Amos has found himself dropped down to the bench this season. Uh, Sam Tittle will take his place in goal. Again, he's 21 years of age. He's absolutely brilliant. But what Sam's really good at is playing the ball out. He's very com- He's like a sweeper at the back. So uh, he, he can he can hit. It's a 40 yard pass and it can hit a two-yard pass as well. Um, but if you start to press us, this is the thing. Everton, when I watched, I was noted that Everton were, were, were pressing us high. They were trying to get the ball off us and we were playing out. And we, you know yourself, if you play that style of football, you can come unstuck with it. Um, I do know Paul Warren. He's an ex-player of ours, Paul Warren. Mm. I don't know if you're doing that. He started his football and professional career with Wigan Athletic. Um all Latics fans follow his career, and we loved it when we played Rotherham because we were meeting up with Warney again, and he always said nice things about us. Um, so it's good to, to you know, be reacquainting with Warner. And I know what type of football Paul Warren plays because I've seen it. I've seen it with Rotherham. I know exactly. And I think we'll have to stand up to you. We'll have to be tough. Uh, and uh, you could. Uh, so I don't know if you got if you got up front these days. Is it still James Collins? Uh, right. Okay. But you've got is Hulahan playing there? As yeah, well? Hulahan. Yeah, uh, yeah. He'll, he'll be in the middle of the park. Um, yeah, good player. James Collins and Connor Washington probably. Connor Washington will, will be the starting. Will probably be the starting two. But he's been injured. He only made his uh, first appearance in pre-season yesterday. So 
Um, it will. We lost three one to the Blades, but it will. Yeah, it, it all depends. It might be him and Mendes Lang, uh, Nathaniel Mendes Lang up front. So, yeah, another physical, physical type players yeah. against our kids. You know, I mean that that could be an avenue that one he wants to explore. But Charlie, he'll definitely stand up to that. He's a big lad, six foot two. Uh, he, he, he's, he's no fear in him. Uh, Liam Morrison's the other guy we've got. We got him from Bayern Munich. Um, very cultured, but uh, I'm not. I don't know about how he'd react to physical uh, to a physical presence uh, because Everton played with Neil Morpé, so he, he's like a bit of a, a damp damp lettuce leaf into Neil Morpé. So, <laughs> but he did press, but he, he wasn't as physical. So I'd, I'd like to see how they react to the physical physicality of League One. You know, uh, Charlie would definitely stand up to it. Uh, but yeah, so we'll only play with probably with two recognised defenders on in the team. So I'm sure Warney will be working on ways around that. Yeah, it's to be honest with you, obviously, he didn't have his own squad last season. It's the one thing that I've seen. I've seen most of the preseason games. I've been to a couple. The one thing that we definitely done more so this year than we than he was able to last year with the players that he's brought in is is press and be a much more physical side than than we were. So Sounds like it could be. Uh, sounds like it could be a very interesting, interesting matchup on on Saturday for that uh, curtain raiser at Pride Park. Final question for you, Barry. After do it, obviously score predictions. It's an absolute lottery, isn't it? First first opening day of the season. I remember our opening day of last season. Um, we played Oxford United at home, and it was the worst game of football I think I'd seen in my life for seventy minutes until Connor Ora and smacked one in from about twenty five yards. And and got Derby, you know, Derby last season, obviously, we're just looking to get the ball rolling. Whereas this season, we're going into it with probably a little bit more expectation. Um, but for me, any side coming down is going to be, you know, is, is going to be a challenge. Probably not so bad getting this kind of a game out of the way, to be honest, before they, you know, before teams really, really start getting on a roll. But score prediction for Saturday, Barry, where are you going? Yeah, that's my exact thoughts. Uh, get this game out of the way. <laughs> so, uh, I, I think it'll be a draw. Uh, I'm tempted to go for a, a nil-nil, but uh, I, I'd, I'd like to think that we could score a goal. So, I'll go for a one-all draw with us taking the lead and then Derby putting the pressure on and, and scoring a, an equaliser midway through the second half. Fair enough. One-all. Yeah. Um, having seen Derby, we've we've looked pretty... We've looked pretty fluid going forward, even though we've had a brand new back line this year and it's still not quite linking together. The game yesterday um, against Sheffield United, uh, they put a pretty strong side out, to be honest, um, was 1-1 until the 70th minute and then two silly back passes and we're 3-1 down. So it's I think there's a little bit of cohesion still to, still to happen at the back. Um, but going forward, we we could have something. So to be honest with you, a, a, a draw, a one-one, probably isn't uh, too far off the mark. But obviously, as a Derby fan, I'm going to say Derby are going to win three-nil. But I mean, we, we probably won't. Um, but yeah, a, a draw's probably not a, not a million miles away. But Barry, the time is coming up on the uh, on the chat, mate. I appreciate it. Hopefully, we can obviously chat again. I'm to say, I'm sure it's Boxing Day. We play each other up at the DW if it's still called that these days. But Barry, thanks very much for having us on for having on coming on, mate. And uh, we'll speak to you again soon. Cheers, cheers, yes, and thank you very much.
So attention to turn then from the division as a whole to back back to Derby County and the curtain raiser, Pride Park on Saturday. It doesn't actually feel that long ago since the end of last season. Normally this when you know, normally the summer months are a little bit boring unless you've got a World Cup or something like that. But obviously we've been blessed with the Women's World Cup that's going on at the minute. I've been blessed with six wonderful weeks of Test Match cricket watching England get dampened in the ashes. Um, I've never been able to get into cricket, Jason. It feels like there's too many pauses for me. I feel like if if football went out of existence tomorrow, the sport I could get into would be rugby. But I don't think I could get into cricket because it feels like there's too feels like a lot standing around for me. I mean, there can be, and that that is a a lot of people's argument who don't watch cricket. Um, But yeah, if you can get into it, it's one of them sports. If you can get into it, then you know we've we've I've been we've been blessed with that. But obviously the football season, certainly at our level, starts on Saturday. And obviously we briefly just touched on them there a little bit. One of the relegated sides, immense financial problems. Derby fans will know all about that. Their owners, they've had all sorts of trouble with that. Managerial changes. Um, if you, I know it's hard to, because obviously at the minute they, they are going to be starting on minus eight points, which I know that they're challenging four of those, I believe. Um, so it might only be that they start on minus four. Derby know what it's all about, starting a division with minus points. Um, but you take some of that, if you can, take all that to one side. I... I think this is I think this is a tough start for Derby. Um and it's probably one of those as I mentioned earlier you you gab us you you think more mid table and and I, it can go either way but for me if they reduce that points deduction four points and they seem to have now be coming out the other side of of the of their difficulties and their troubles I saw some clips of um, their pre-season game. The, the guy, Barry, who I um, chatted to, he shared me some clips of their pre-season game against Everton last week. And I tell you what, they've got they've got some danger men for this division, in, in my opinion. Um, and I think it's actually, it's one of them where get it out of the way. Get get this type of game out of the way. If, this, if, if Wigan can hit the ground running in the division... Um, a, a stat that he he pulled out three out of the last four seasons they've been in League One they've won it and they've absolutely romped it on two occasions apparently so you know they they hmm. they are I I think they're a bit more dangerous than maybe you, you give them give them credit for Gab personally but for you looking at it from the outside Derby Wigan was a Championship fixture obviously not so long ago. Um, Probably a Premier League fixture. I'm trying to think now. No, no, I don't think it was actually the last time we were in there. Um, but I think a, a good advertisement for League One football. And I, I pers- me personally, I, I think two probably big hitters in the division going head to head on opening day. It's it's exciting. Um, yeah, I disagree a little bit. Uh, I can understand your thought process with that. Uh, for me, I think this is. A, um, a rebuilding season for Wigan Athletic. Uh, they had a takeover of Mike Danson, which looks pretty positive for the club in terms of the long term. Um, I think it was last month, which technically as we record, Phil mm. July. Um, so um, 
but I, I still think there's a bit of a rebuild going on there. Um, I think what helps them is that they've got a great academy. So there's definitely players coming in from from the youth setup that we should be looking out for. They've got a goalkeeper called uh, Sam Tickle, who Wigan fans think could be their number one this season. So that shows you how highly rated he is. And there's lots of other players like that um, that, that could have a breakthrough season. But I think that's probably how this season will probably end up being remembered for Wigan fans. I don't expect them to achieve too much that's special on the pitch just because they started the summer from a point of instability and not knowing what the future is going to be. And I think that's always going to have a bit of a knock-on effect. I'm not sure it's a top six squad and then you add the, the points deduction to that. Um, I think it's going to be mid-table for, for Wigan, but I think with the possibility of maybe blooding a few players and giving them foundations to push on for, for next season. But... Um, yeah, I think Derby should very much be going into this game um, as favourites and with the expectation of of getting the three points. Yeah, certainly, certainly the goalkeeper was um, was a was a player that he said that you know he's, he's pushed Ben Amos sort of mm. out 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 of the uh, out of the picture, and they've uh, they've also got a nineteen year old centre back on loans from some uh, from oh some yeah German, Morrison yeah, from Bayern Munich from yeah. Bayern Munich, which yeah. is you know somebody. You, I, I, obviously, I'm guessing with a surname like that, he's from England originally. But it's not very often you swap uh, you swap Munich for Wigan. I wouldn't have thought very often. But um... <laughs> Scottish, according to, to ah, my uh, right, there you go. So, then. so I'm going to be watching that closely again. Uh, yeah, a little bit closer to home in Wigan, but yeah, a bit different to uh, a bit different to Munich. I would have thought. But uh, <laughs> it, it, to be fair, it's exactly what he said. It, it's a young, inexperienced goalkeeper and back line, but the potentials there for them if they can mm. hit the ground running, which obviously Derby know all about throwing youngsters in and seeing how many of them can, can make it stick. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. I say from the clips that I saw, we shared a couple on the, uh, on the podcast Twitter page. Um, they like to get the ball down. There's no doubt about that. They, they can knock it about. He said they're very reminiscent of Wigan under Martinez. I I don't know if they'll ever get to that standard at late at League One, but that's the kind of football that they're going to be playing. Um, mm. His only sort of thing was: have they really got anybody to score enough goals to keep to get them going? Mm. Which that's every team, obviously, well. every team is screaming for. A couple of old boys in there, obviously James McLean still there. Um, a fan's favourite. Callum for Lang's done it at this level before, yeah. so there's that possibility. Yeah. Yeah, so but certainly from what I saw of him, I appreciate it was only one preseason, and I think, as I say, if any any Wigan fans watched Derby's preseason game at the weekend, they'd have thought, "Oh, Derby were you know good value." Um, and to be fair, we were, but it doesn't necessarily mean that that's obviously how, how things are gonna are gonna pan out. But Jack, yeah. um, you look at it as well, Derby, Wigan, opening day season. Cash your mind back twelve months. We had that first game against Oxford, which was absolutely dreadful for 68 minutes um, or so until Conor Oran decided to uh, show Derby fans what he, what he was all about and got, obviously, Derby over the line on that day and that set up Derby's League One campaign. 12 months on, we're going into it and if we like it or not, we are Bucky's favourites, Pundit's favourites to certainly be up there for a reason. And as I say, I, even... If they are gonna, if, even if they are struggling, even if they are going through transition, they're still a name. They're still one of the relegated sides for me. And mm. Derby have got to show that they've got more. They've got more than them straight away off the bat. 
great to be at home first. I always like at home game first. Always like home game first. I, I like to be greedy. Always like at home game first. Always like one on Boxing Day. Always like one at the end of the season. We tend to get the first and last game always at home near enough, but for some reason, Boxing Day, we're never at home. We're always at home on uh, New Year's Day rather than Boxing Day. Uh, funnily enough, we're at Wigan on Boxing Day this year, which is which will be a laugh. But um, yeah, Jack, your your, your opinions on uh, Derby, Derby and Wigan Saturday for the curtain raiser? It's it, it the talking stops, doesn't it? it? It you know everything that yeah. all fans have said, everything that Paul Warren said. He's they've got they've got to prove it, and I think they've got to prove it from the start, really. Yeah, it's now about. Not not talking talk, but it's walking the walk. You've got to be able to translate it from from words to actions on on the pitch. I mean, I think you know Wigan. What they will have is a starting this points deduction. It could bring them a bit of togetherness and a bit of siege mentality within the team that are there, within the youngsters who have been thrown in. You know, if you cast your mind back a couple of years to you know to the Derby squad and administration and that whole mentality, that could work in their favour. But yeah, it's it's difficult to know to know what to expect from them. I think in terms of some people, you know, the people back in you know, finish high and then others seeing it as a, a kind of season to start a rebuild. It's not dissimilar from where Derby were 12 months ago, where you had people thinking, oh, well, they're too big a club to be in this league, they're going to go straight back up. But what actually transpired was, do you know what? It's about setting foundations. And yeah, Doggy just missed out on the playoffs, but that probably put them in a better position going into this summer so they could get things sorted and have more time. You know, and they've had, you know, a proper pre-season now mm-hmm. with no distractions. We're already seeing from even the training videos how much better, fitter Derby look. Uh, you know, Paul Gorman said in his first press conference, one of the most striking things about very first press conference was, aside from his look of coffee, was wanted athletes. He's now able to turn these players into athletes. Wigan, on the other hand, everything's going to be a little bit up in the air, isn't it? It just mm. makes things like, a bit more difficult. Although, although Jack, uh, the, the other kind of to kind of caveat what we've kind of touched on is I do think that Wigan are in a better position than Reading, even though Wigan are the ones with the point deduction because yes. they've they've established some sort of synergy from the second half of last season, where although they went down. Um, they actually were really one of the best defensive teams in the league after Maloney's yeah. charge. The problem was scoring goals. We did galvanise them. He galvanised the club as well. And they had a really solid organisational structure. And they started pre-season training with a pretty full squad. Whereas I think with Reading, they started pre-season with seven senior players. And they, they've got it all to do. And even now, there's much more uncertainty than there is at Wigan, where it's just... It's just they've got the the nuisance, if you like, of the point deduction, but actually they're probably in a more sort of harmonious and settled place. So I can see why why Jason maybe thinks that they could go well, but uh, for me, I think it's about rebuilding in mid table and maybe then pushing on from uh, from there. Yeah, I mean, I think as well with that is even if they might not be able to do it over the season, there's certainly enough quality there based on how they thought to cause the derby problems to make. It'll be really difficult to break down, is what you effectively say. You know, they can, even if they can't do it consistently every week, there's certainly scope for them to spoil Derby's day mm-hmm. on the opening day by just, you know, putting a kind of brick wall up. But, um, yeah, I think 
I think it is. It's a, it's a really interesting one with, with the league on the whole this season because you do have these two, these two teams with these kind of, you know, these kind of extra things going off the pitch as there was a couple of years ago, which we wish we didn't have to consider as fans, you know, but, but they're there and, and that's, mm. you know, that's the reality for William and for Reading. And I think, I think for Derby, it's about taking the momentum from pre-season, isn't it? Because if you think about, think about Saturday, even, loss, you know, those two goals came in the last 10 minutes. They've done pretty well considering they were playing Premier League side. Corey Smith's goal, actually, is first for Derby. So we're seeing, you know, we are seeing improvements in him. And you'd say, Jason, you know, he is a bit like a new signing. Mm. But yeah, again, mm. Derby, I'm concerned about depth, but that's, you know, similarly... Not to say they can't turn off and play really well on Saturday. It's can they do that consistently? So, yeah, I mean, I think it'll be, I think it'll be a good game. And I, I think also, you know, compared to, compared to this time last season, what we were saying in the preview last season, this is a much better position, you know, so much better position to be in. And as much as, yeah, look forward, but also, Thank goodness we're not. We've had a proper pre-season. It means we can we can give things a go and come into it with with positive mindset. I think. I'd agree, and I think what comes with that, though, like we kind of said, there's no, there can't really be any excuses this time for Derby no. if things go slightly against it. I mean, I don't wish to do a disservice to half the teams in the league, but if if I'm as blunt as I can be. For the first seven or eight games last season under Liam, Derby played some fancy football but couldn't put the ball in the back of the net. One of the reasons why he left, we I think we only won two out of those eight, I think it was, or something like that. We drew away at Shrewsbury. We drew away at Morecambe. The games we, we comfortably should have won. We dropped silly points at home last season, uh, Port Vale being one of them, um, and things like that. Derby were, for me a little bit mediocre last year and they still nearly got into the playoffs and it was only the fact that there were three outstanding teams in the division that Derby weren't in those playoffs so it, for me something is going to have to be is something's going to have to go catastrophically wrong if Derby are not in the not in the playoffs for me personally this year because hmm. i just I say I don't want to be disrespectful. I just don't see six or seven teams better than Derby. I really don't. And I so so Jason, I completely agree with you on paper, and I think that it would be. You know, I I think I'm prepared to say Paul Warren actually did a decent job last season, despite finishing outside of the top seven. I yeah. don't think you'll be able to say that this year. No. Um, however, my concern is how Paul Warren manages expectation because this is the biggest level of expectation one has ever had to manage in his career where at Rotherham he he could almost be that uh, be that underdog if you like and I think his style of galvanizing people is a little bit more suited to a situation where it is a little bit more us against the world and even when Rotherham were in league one he was up against some some bigger clubs and his style of galvanising people is, you know, he'll get people together in a dressing room and they'll say, what are you doing this for? Um, and people will write down, I'm doing this for my mum, I'm doing this for my dog, I'm doing this for my yeah, pet tortoise, whatever people would say. Uh, and they would all put that on the board together and they would kind of um, sort of 
put those things together so everyone's fighting for each other's cause, which is a great yeah. way of motivating yeah. people. He calls it I the think... Y-Wall, I think, doesn't he? Say again, Jack? I'm pretty sure I saw a clip in which he called it the Y-Wall or something. Mm, the Y-Wall, yeah, 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 that would yeah. surprise me. And and I think that's um, uh, incredibly unique in in sort of mo- in in management. So I really admire Warren for that. On the other hand, I think there's a flip side to that vulnerability that Paul Warren has, which is, I think that sometimes he can catastrophize a little bit. Mm. Um, I he frustrates me a little bit in the sense that. I don't think he necessarily believes in himself to the extent that his track record suggests he should. And I think if I was a Derby fan, that would irritate me a little bit, especially supporting you know a club that not to not to sort of put too fine a point on it, but does have a grand history in English football and does come with a certain prestige. You know, how do you kind of reconcile that mentality of a club like Derby County, a big name in English football, with the mentality that Paul Warren has at times which can be a little bit um, a little bit defeatist sometimes or a little bit you know catastrophizing that's the sort of dynamic that I'm a little bit wary about I think it looks great on paper will it come together in practice no I, I fully agree and I think like to a point that you've just had there the expectations I think the expectations this year are that we're, we're, we're going for it mm. what does he do when Twenty seven, twenty eight thousand people are screaming at him because things aren't aren't quite going right. Is he is he going to be good enough? Has he got the managerial now to, to be able to cope with that? I, I'm not saying that he hasn't, but he's, he's never been in that predicament before, you know. So yeah, yeah, it will. It'll be interesting to uh, be interesting to see where it goes. But obviously, that's all for the future. We we shall wait and see. Um, final thing, lads, before we uh, before we wrap up, we we always do a score prediction, so we've got to do one. Um, I've already sort of done one on on, on the on the mini preview um, with with the Wigan with the Wigan podcast. But Jack, I'm gonna I'm gonna start you off. Are Derby gonna get off in the twenty three twenty four season with three points? You know what? I think so. I think. I'm going to go, for, though, for a, a really conservative, you know, I'm doing a Paul Ward here in terms of this defeatist uh, mentality, but I, you know, not quite believe it. But I do think we will get, you know, it's just going to scrape a 1-0 and I'm not, I'm not going with too many expectations because first game of the season and yeah, but, but you know what, I'd I take a win, you know, last season started, you know, just let's knock it. I mean, if we go back, you know, there's been, yeah, I think I, I take it three points on the board, good start, but I still am intrigued to know quite where the goals are going to come from, and until we've seen a few games in in the league, I can't judge that we're going to have a thumping victory. So yeah, I'll just go for a, for, for one nil, but you know, I'd, I'd, I'd hope to be surprised if that's the right. Right, service, so you know, James Collins, he got goals. But we'll, we'll see. That, that's exactly what I was going to say from what I've seen in pre-season. We look like we've worked, our fitness is, is much better. We've looked like patterns of play. We, we're working on them. We've, by the looks of it, adapted to the new to the new system quite well. Yeah. Most of the new lads are, are settling in quite well. I think we've got goals in us. The one slight thing I would say is this is a brand new backline and the game I saw live at Stoke there was times where 
I know Stoke are a championship opposition, um, and they did have Tyrese Campbell playing up front. They got in behind Derby far too easy, far too easy. Now, don't get me wrong, That's I don't true. think a lot of League One sides are probably going to be able to have the quality to do that. Um, but I think there's just that little bit of gelling thing going on at the back. So I don't think the clean sheets are going to start straight away for Derby, personally. Um, I think we'll keep quite a few, kept enough last year. Um, I don't think we'll quite keep. Uh, I don't think we'll quite start off with a clean sheet. Um, but I'm going to go. I'm going to go Derby win because um, I think we've just got enough in the tank. Um, two or two one. I'm going to go. Gab, I'm gonna, your prediction. I'm going to go with the opposite of you, Jason. I'm going to say Derby do keep a clean sheet, but they don't win um, because I think. Derby's squad will look a lot stronger in a month's time than it does now. And I think on top of that, I don't necessarily know that everything's going to click in August. And I think Wigan might be the beneficiaries of that and catch them on a day where things are maybe a little bit disjointed in the final third, especially if you're relying on you know one or two players like Mendes Lang or Barkhaus and playing down the middle. And I think Wigan, with the defensive resolve they established in the championship in the second half of last season, I reckon they might start with a nice and organised performance and get a get a handy point on the board. And I think Derby will be on the front foot for much of this game, but maybe not quite find those ideas in the final third. So that's why I'm going to go for Derby nil, Wigan nil. That's fair enough. And Barry, uh, our Wigan friend, colleague, who, who joined me on the podcast, he predicted a 1-1. Oh, I've been been on the pod with Barry. He's great, isn't he? Yeah, he, he said pretty much exactly the same as you. He feels that defensively they are pretty solid, but because of the young, inexperienced of them, can Derby bully them a little bit, possibly, and, and you know, Derby can get a goal, but he, he backed Wigan to score as well, so he, he, went, he went 1-1, hence why I kind of leaned towards 2-1, but we shall see. Um, next week on the pod, Jack. I'm sure next week we'll we'll have all the fallout from that game. Um, yeah. As as we then preview our, our wonderful trip down the A38 to a ground I ain't going to in Burton Albion because we can never get a result there. So uh, <laughs> they, they'll come thick and fast. But Gab, thank you very much for joining us. We'll catch up again later on in the year, mate, and we'll have a yeah, we'll che- have a good look at the season. If I, if I can just uh, just say yeah, bef- before we leave, um, anyone who enjoyed it really enjoyed this chat tonight. Thanks for having me. Um, if you if you like my stuff, you can ch- give me a follow on Twitter at Gab Sutton. I also have fans like yourself, Jason and Jack, uh, on my show EFL Debate. We're on our League One show is at seven o'clock on Wednesdays, so you can join us for then, and hopefully you'll be joining us for the Championship shows uh, the year after. So follow me on Twitter at Gab Sutton and follow the hashtag EFL Debate. Not a problem at all. Cheers, Gab. Thanks very much, mate. And we'll speak to you again soon. Jack, as always, thanks for joining, mate. And I'll see you next week. Yes, thank you. Uh, I'll just do a quick mention as well. England winning final group game, the World Cup tomorrow. Uh, point will see them through or Denmark winning against Haiti. I'll have some content from that, which I'll post the link to on on my Twitter or on podcast socials. And yeah, have a... And yeah, so people can track England through the tournament with with me, hopefully. So yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. And I know one thing that we've not done over the season preview, um, because we couldn't get around to organising it, is obviously we haven't previewed the women's side of things. Um, but we'll try and obviously Jack, you're you're our expert on that. So uh, we'll yeah, try they don't get start sorted. Until, they don't start until twentieth of August. So we've got we've got a little bit of time. We'll make five sure we... signings announced on Friday night. But yeah, uh, exactly. but yeah we'll, and um as as a 
said and it broke when we were recording on Thursday. Amy Sims, friend of the podcast, you'd all be captain. So it's an exciting season there that we yeah, we've got a bit of time and we can work on that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. We'll get that sorted. But that's all for this week's episode. Thanks for listening. And as always, up the ramps. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Rams Review Podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to get in touch, we're on Twitter at Rams Review One. Our Facebook is Rams Review Podcast. Or you can drop us an email, ramsreview at hotmail.com. Thanks for listening, and until next time, up the Rams.